0: And if you want to learn even more about Thorn, go to episode 323 of Behind the Shield podcast, and you will hear my interview with Wes Barnett and Joel Totoro from Thorn. This episode is sponsored by 5.11, a company that I've used for well over a decade and continue to use to this day. And 5.11 is offering you guys, the audience of the Behind the Shield podcast, a discount on every purchase you make with them. Now, for many of us in the first responder profession, not only we exposed to a high level of stress, but but in the fire service, for example, we also have a finite amount of air on our backs, yet we rarely pay attention to our breath. In episode 129, Brian's first conversation, we delve into breath, and this time we revisit. He spent a lot more time with the tactical population since then. We talk about breath work, the history of how we ended up becoming mouth breathers as a Western society deregulating the nervous system and so much more. Before we get to that conversation, as I say every week, please just take a moment, go to whichever app you listen to this on, subscribe to the show, leave feedback and leave a rating. Every five star rating truly does elevate this podcast, making it more visible for others to find. And this is a free library of well over 500 episodes now. So all I ask in return is that you pay it forward and share these incredible men and women's stories so I can get them to everyone else on planet Earth who needs to hear them. So with that being said, I welcome back Brian McKenzie. Enjoy. Brian, I want to start by saying thank you so much for coming back on the Behind the Shield podcast. It's an interesting story behind our last interview, but I want to begin by welcoming you back.
1: James, appreciate it. Uh, Love what you're doing. I especially enjoy your Instagram account um, as it always brings a smile to my face. (laughs) So (laughs) spreading happiness (laughs) is, 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 I think, your goal and... I'm just trying to get people back to understanding what that really means. That's all, that's all I'm after.
0: (laughs) Beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's been an interesting kind of almost like social experiment because you, you get these people that talk about, ah, you know, social media is horrific. And I'm like, well, if it seems if you put good stuff out there and you're consistent and you block the shit bags, um, you know, you, most people I think are inherently good. You You see all this great content and then some of the hilarious memes too, that also make me laugh. But, uh, yeah, I think, I think social media can be so powerful if we just take a little responsibility for governing it and, and looking for the content on you know, other positive sites and sharing those.
1: Yeah, man. I, uh, I've long thought of social media as, a, I mean, look, it's a catch-22. It's a live by the sword, die by the sword type of thing. If you're putting out quality information... You just don't have time to be sitting there scrolling through other people's shit, commenting and developing hate towards or, or opinions towards things that you're just not that aren't that important. Right. Um, you know, uh, I, it, I I'm fascinated by the fact that a lot so many people spend so much time on it. And I, I that became apparent with myself when I started looking at how much time I actually was spending on it, like looking at the settings. And I was like, wow, that is a lot of time. Like, I'll go for like 10 minutes and pop on and then pop off and 10 minutes back on and on. And, and that adds up to a few hours a day. You know, I was like, what am I doing? Like, this is taking up three, like a few hours of my day. Like, yep. You know, and I'm like, ugh. So I, I just basically forced myself to like I created some habits to where it's like develop some content, get it out, and I have to log out when I come off of it. So there's a whole log in, log out process with it. Um, and that's really the only social medium I've stayed on. I don't even go on. I haven't even been on Facebook in years. Um, Twitter I stay completely off of. is just a hellhole. Um you know, I so, uh, you know, it, it's just, I feel like how you, where you want to navigate and put your energy is where you're going it, to, it's like everything else, right? And I only have so much bandwidth in a day in order to dedicate to something like that. And so I just choose to really focus on one area. That's it. Get in, put it out, get it out.
0: Yeah. I always tell people I'm a very selfish social media user for the same reason. It's funny because Instagram's always been good for me, uh, Facebook has awful and i put a video up the other day just just trying to, again some common ground for a lot of these responders and doctors and nurses that are told take a vaccine or lose your job you know after all, mm-hmm. all the time and whether whatever people's you know opinion is of the vaccine itself i think that you know these people that we put in that didn't have a vaccine that we had no problem with them responding early on and now we're we're pulling that so anyway it was a very middle of the road thing and it got deleted and I got bumped out of Facebook. And I'm like, I literally haven't said anything at all. So I got a little glimpse, I think, into that big brother, you know, overreach element, but it was, you know, I put it back on again. And it stayed up, but yeah, there's a lot more of that shadiness, I think, in the Facebook world than, than Instagram. And, you know, as long as you're not, you know, steering too much one way or another, then I think that, you know, just you're in a pretty good middle area, but it is interesting seeing that too. Like you can, you know, freedom of speech, as long as you don't say this giant list of things that we don't want you to say. So it's an an inch. I mean, I'm,
1: I'm appalled where we're headed. Um, but I also, am like staying out of it. And until it actually really affects me, like, I just don't, I'm not going to engage in this bullshit. Like, you know, you can't like you, the, the whole freedom of speech thing. I mean, look, there are there are legitimately civil rights um, things that are go- things that are going on from a civil rights standpoint um, with a lot of the things that we're now starting to see, right? Um, and it's only going to take one ballsy attorney to file a civil a class action lawsuit that's going to shut this stuff down. But you know, there's, I I mean, there's just, there's things that are going on that are heading in a direction that is really only dividing everybody. Right. And I'd find it gross. I don't care how you lean. Like I've got plenty of friends that are that think way differently than me. Right. We get along perfectly fine. You know, um, the fact that we're dividing this this world up right now and people actually think that any media outlet is a new, is is informa- is going to be doing anything for you other than creating emotional triggers and divisiveness between people it's just i mean dude i watch it with my parents like i see my parents like it's like they think that the the, the new that the tv and news is actually news and it's not news it hasn't been news for quite some time. It's, it's literally information to get a reaction. And that reaction is creating a divide that's occurring between people. And it's, it's challenging, man, because it's challenging your rights as, as, for, for, as to what makes this country unique. You know, uh, I don't like the, we, we haven't had real leadership in this country. In probably almost four presidencies, and I don't care how you lean. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a very liberal person. Like I don't care who you want to sleep with or what you want to do to your body. Go for it. <laughs> like that's your decision, right? But I also am like a huge gun rights advocate. Like I'm sorry. Wait, wait, wait a like,
0: second. I'm sorry. You got to pick one side. I don't want to hear this yeah. nonsense about. And, like,
1: but. <laughs> But it's like, you know, like, look, man, like, I love guns. I like things to go boom. And like, I like educating myself on how to shoot a gun and how to use a gun and how, like, I don't carry a gun because I don't like the, I don't want to have to think that much. I already have to think about enough shit. Like, I read enough and do enough to where I don't want to have to think about a gun. Although I got a lot of friends that conceal carry. And that's what they want to do. And and that's like, I, great, do it. They're educated enough to do that. They're also not people who are running around shooting people, right? Like we're not, we're not actually looking at the, the reality of who are the people that are actually shooting people, you know? Um, and it, it, it's the uneducated, it's the people who aren't taking the time to actually go through the understanding of of what the Second Amendment means, what it means to bear arms, what it means to carry a weapon, what it means to actually um, defend yourself, right? I don't know how many people who are yelling and screaming about Second Amendment rights actually even understand, like, how to protect themselves even without a gun. Like, go over to England. I've been there pretty frequently. Stabbings, <laughs> are, like... People are getting stabbed left and right there. And nobody's talking about that shit, right? It doesn't matter how it's going to go. You can't. I mean, and the fact is, is it's just like, I mean, like, I don't want to get on this diatribe of guns, but it's like, I believe you should be able to say whatever you want to say, as long as it's not inciting violence. And I believe you should be able to, you should have the right to defend yourself. And it is not the government's right. Re- like the government does not is not there to protect me i'm there to actually vote in the leaders and i've failed as 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 an individual in order to actively participate in a way that would bring in leadership that actually looked like leadership and that's what we just don't have anymore Because we have a politics game and people are on the TVs and we're on social media and we're not actually sitting down and looking at the most important aspect of it all, ourselves. Nobody is willing to look at themselves. They just want to project it. And there's a very famous quote by a very famous comedian by the name of John Cleese is that when people no longer have control of their emotions, they try to control the behavior of others.
0: Yeah. So pertinent. It's a hell of a guy too, John Cleese. Yeah. 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 So, well, with that, let's let's segue to your work with responders first, then, because that, I mean that, yeah. that conversation leads us there beautifully. So, you know, yeah. obviously, you're known for breathwork. We're going to delve into you know deregulation and all kinds of stuff. But tell me how that journey, because I think that was since we spoke last, took you to the first responder population, and what are you doing with them?
1: Yeah, I've I've gotten more involved. Although I've I've probably been involved, I'd I'd say over 15 years, I've been working with you know the mil- with military namely special operators uh but many like i've worked inside the marine corps etc um non-special operations but also special operations um you know i've worked with fire departments the health and human performance foundation works specifically with fire to understand how we can help these guys a lot more because of the environment the carcinogenic environment they're in um But I've spent a considerable amount of time in the last year and a half, almost two years in and around first responder tactics and people in terms of high uh, injury rate, like catastrophic injury type situations where somebody's either shot or in some sort of an accident um, that requires real time. Regulation, or somebody dies, and that that work has become very important to me um, because it has such a profound effect in how somebody can navigate space they're in when either a they've got a firearm because it doesn't matter if you're a Navy SEAL, a Green Beret, or a cop, or Joe Schmo, or Jill Schmo who's got a gun, stress hormones are going off regardless. It's just how many times those hormones have gone off and how you understand how to regulate and suppress and understand to cope with that. So if we were to go look at a situation like, you know, a lion, a lion and antelope in a life and death situation, right? Lions going after the antelope or we're in a, High pursuit, like or a firefight with guns, or somebody just got in a car accident and it's really bad. You're not, you can't tell from a physiological perspective who who's who. If we if we don't if we if we don't have a visual of what animal is what and what situations what, you're really getting a very similar response situation in terms of stress hormones and the fastest and most potent way that I know of that I've been able to figure out and understand of managing that is with breath control and understanding breathing. Um, that suppresses the way that we can actually manage an emotional response or a heightened stress response situation, which involves emotions. And unfortunately for us, a lot of people don't take the time to understand that that are actually doing this as a job, which is why we have these things called PTSD uh, because they're not necessarily managing the stress of these situations in a way that they can cope or understand them. It just gets stuffed down. And the fact is, is every human being deals with trauma and trauma is nothing more than I'm not going to complicate this. I'm going to simplify this is trauma is nothing more than the avoidance or protection of a painful situation doesn't matter what that situation is. So if Brian broke almost broke his neck,
0: which and he did. Brian,
1: <laughs> which 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 I did, and that was the last podcast podcast we had, right? Yes, like, it's like if I tried to like protect myself from all of that and what was going on, like never going on a jungle gym again, which I've been on several, right? Like never, like. Like avoiding dealing with the pain of that situation or the tr- like what happened with that situation, I'd, I'd be stuffing some stuff down and I'd be having to deal with a lot of that. Now, from a physical standpoint, there's stuff I'm going to have to deal with with more than likely the rest of my life as a result of that. But that's okay if I understand what that is, right? Um So these situations carry so much weight and, and whether we're talking a, you know an injury or somebody hurt, or I have to draw a firearm or a firearms drawn on me, um, there are so many things that we can do to control those situations from from a physiological standpoint and, and understanding what breathing, what our breath is doing, that it's a, uh, it, it's just such a no brainer, but it's so hard because there's, people just don't think that it's that simple. And, and I mean, I get statement after statement after statement from people like, I swear to God, I thought this was all bullshit. <laughs> like this was just all hyperbole. Like you were just talking out of your ass. And then I finally gave it a shot and it was like, Dude, this changed my life. Like it changed how I do deal with things like and whether you're an MMA fighter or a top or a firefighter or you're a paramedic or you're just Joe Schmo and you see something happen, an accident happen. You, you have the ability, if you can keep your shit together to change the situation. And that's the most important thing I think breathing can do. And that doesn't mean you need to be controlling your breathing in every one of those situations, especially if you know how to keep your shit cool. And you can understand exactly what's going on in front of you versus being so distracted by everything in your life that you don't, you're don't, you not present to, to the moment and what's going on.
0: Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting because in the fire service, and we probably touched on this in the last conversation, but... We are taught breath control in a way in the academy. If you've got good instructors, I remember one's called skip breathing where you inhale and then you take a second inhalation and then a slow exhalation. And you're, it's more though for, um, consumption, air consumption from your bottle. But when you think of a profession where the entire atmosphere of planet earth is irrelevant because the only air we have is on our back, the same way as the only air you have, you know, when you're diving is on your back. You would think that breath control and breathing and deregulation of the nervous system would have been at the front of the conversation over and over again, um, but it isn't. You know, and and I've I obviously started this, so I'm I'm in that space where I'm trying to learn and, and get to talk to some great people and read some great books, and I've used you know that on the way to a call. I've, I remember one time being handed a dead baby, cardiac arrest, and it just. Froze for a second, took a couple of breaths, thought about the acronym that we're taught in school that you never think about normally, but it was like ABCs, okay, airway. And then, you know, that was back then when that was the order and then got back in. But it, it is such a powerful tool. And I've, you know, used it myself and, and, uh, it's, it's crazy that we don't think about it. It's crazy that we don't teach it. Um, so with the responders that you've worked with so far, before we go to the actual tools that you bring, what are you seeing as far as the average responder and you know whether it's the breath control, whether it's the impact of of posture? What are some of the, the common denominators in our profession that you're seeing that are that are causing these issues?
1: Um well there there is no just one common issue, right? Mechanics, physiology, and psychology all work together. Um and That doesn't mean because I have poor posture that I'm going to have anxiety, right? Like, But it definitely is impacting how your brain's functioning if you've got poor posture, right? So the psychology, like our, our breathing is so tied up into everything we do. It's so, so fascinating. And what's really, really messed up is that in the medical world, they're actually taught the opposite of what they're taught in respiratory physiology so oxygen is this beautiful thing in, in 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 the medical world and carbon dioxide is this waste product right in respiratory physiology co2 is king is the king oxygen is queen and you cannot get use of oxygen without carbon dioxide and carbon carbon Dioxide is so important for life in and of itself. Like this planet has had carbon dioxide, higher carbon. It's had carbon dioxide as a part of its environment longer than oxygen. And we can't use oxygen without that carbon dioxide. There's just the affinity and and what happens with oxygen degrades if we offload excessive co2 and from a mechanical standpoint especially in fire you're wearing heavier clothing right you're in gear you've got a tank on right you're breathing oxygen right but the the, from a tank right so things are changing and the fact is is the more efficient you are with how you're using oxygen, the easier everything gets. But we don't think about that when we're not in that gear, unfortunately for the by and large, the most of us, I would say the most important thing for any sort, for anybody in the fire community would be to be looking at what the free diving community has done. Because what, They've done is understood this entire paradigm. What I'm talking about, they've become so metabolically efficient that, like, they're they they uh, they just they're, they're like freaks of nature, right? But they're so specialized that it's like you can't just put them into a fire world, right? But if, if we were looking at from a you know from, from the freediving world, from this you know standpoint of being a firefighter, it's like, well, what am I doing in training? What am I doing to stay to make myself more respiratory, my respiratory system more efficient? What's more efficient mean? Less breaths per minute, by and large, lower a lower respiration rate, by and large, breathing through my nose most of the time, um, even when I'm at work, even during heavy stress situations but most guys and gals aren't going to be able to do that because they haven't trained this variable of co2 tolerance which there is no o2 tolerance really right like there there's like this there's a funny there's a funny there's an interesting thing with oxygen is that if Oxygen doesn't get used, right? If if cell perfusion, if cell perfusion doesn't occur, there's this tricky thing that's happening. That's usually meaning that CO2 is lowering, right? And so there's this euphoric effect that occurs. When oxygen levels get too low, that means we've got really high CO2 levels usually, right? And that creates a euphoric feeling. So we're anesthetizing on both ends, right? And in the medical community, they literally put us on people on pure, pure oxygen. Like when you see a, a, an NFL player with a mask on on the sidelines with pure oxygen, they don't have an oxygen problem. They're not getting more oxygen. They they have a C they they, they have a CO two problem.
0: Yeah, because we have twenty one percent. Give a healthy.
1: Yes you can't give a healthy individual pure oxygen and have it do anything. You would have to give a healthy individual pure oxygen with carbon dioxide mixed into it in order to actually get the benefits of that. But nobody's doing that. Right. And so this is where it becomes paramount for like training. And it's like, dude, the most important thing we could do is restrict breathing patterns, like use hypoxic training in some regards, like breath holds, um, breath restriction during training and forget about like the ego and who's fit enough like let's see who can actually go the longest like working the hardest with their mouth shut um or on a hypoxic hold right like not uh, uh, above water not in water
0: right? <laughs> alone
1: <laughs> so you know like these these are in large part why what we see i mean look man People who don't look at this is why we see a lot of firefighters who are super unhealthy, even if they do train some of the time is you see, this is why we see uh, endurance athletes who are heavily unhealthy, who can have heart attacks at the end of marathons, even though they've been lifelong marathon runners, because they've, they've chronically been over breathing over breathing has these consequences to it. And we could also lay diet in there as well but the fact of the matter is is when we overbreathe, you're not getting enough co2 and co2 is responsible for for what for what's called vasodilation so we're opening up the vasculature and we're training the vasculature the the capillaries to grow more when we overbreathe and we res- and, and we get rid of excess co2 we're actually constricting blood vessels and it's causing the opposite effect of what we think is going on, even though it feels easier, easier. So when you see a lot of elite athletes working out and their mouth open and breathing, I see an over I see lost potential because of what we've discovered and, and really uncovered through our own processes. But we're not alone, and there's been a lot of people out there who've been – talking about this for quite some time. You know, people like Dr. Peter Litchfield, uh, Dr. Uh, Ray Pete, um, Patrick McEwen, um, you know, th- th- there are s- Leon Chaitow and and many others are at the forefront of this stuff who- who've been here for eons. I mean, dude, there is research that goes back to the 40s, 1940s on this stuff that people just glazed by and didn't look at. And it's, it's just right there, this, this trainable source for understanding health. And it really is the bedrock of what we've under, we've understood with health because it has everything to do with what's going on metabolically. And from a, so, so, so from a mechanical, physiological and psychological perspective, if I over breathe, I've restricted how I'm using oxygen in the brain. I've restricted my ability to actually comprehend and learn. I'm actually going to put a video out, I think, today on an experiment with this. And I'm going to have people – and people can try this listening to this. They don't even go to my Instagram account. Is Go ahead and just mouth breathe and do do 20 breaths in a minute where you just – Do 20 breaths and then read a paragraph of something after you do that, par- after you, after you do 20 breaths and read it out loud and see if you can retain anything you just read. I will put money on the fact that most people will not be able to retain any of that information. And yet the standard right now for normal breathing inside hospitals respiration rates are at 20. That is chronic hyperventilation. And so the brain is now not functioning in a way that is allowing us to actually... Now, sitting down and just doing deep 20 breaths is very different than... Right? Nonetheless, if you do 20 breaths a minute and keep that going for hours upon hours, you're going to have a restricted physiological response. So the tissues are now not perfusing with oxygen in a way that they could. Why is this important? Well, do you want to move? Do you want to save somebody's life? Okay, you're going to need oxygen to those tissues. And it just so happens that you're going to need CO2 to help with that. So from a, from a mechanical standpoint, I've limited how, if I'm limited in my ranges of motion and what I'm doing, I'm limited in how I breathe. It's instantaneous connection. There's a co- compensatory react. Like there's, there's a whole compensatory uh, work that's in progress. And it's called, it's, there's a term that's called blood stealing or, or metaboreflex. that that's a technical term, but the, the, the you could, anybody could Google it is called blood stealing is any sort of limitation that occurs with inside that diaphragm is a compensatory mechanism that's happening that we're stealing blood from the extremities, largely the, the lower limbs, in order to facilitate more work towards that diaphragm because it's so important for getting air in. So there's this huge compounding thing that's occurring with what we're doing and. It has to do with movement, it has to do with physiology, and it has to do with our psychology. There is no way around it. And breathing is tied to all of it.
0: So, an interesting thing, just to put you know the the tactical kind of glasses on for a second, a firefighter climbs a bunch of stairs, runs into an active shooting situation, whatever it is, has a high um, uh, degree of intensity physically. And now they have to perform finite motions, whether it's intubating a child, whether it's a law enforcement officer having to actually engage a target now. Um, are you seeing the finite fine motor skills so much um, are so much more improved when nasal breathing is used versus running with your mouth agape and then trying to do the same things?
1: There, there is no question that there is just two different things going on. We, 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 we measured this on a metabolic cart through gas exchange. So this is how you understand really how you're using energy. And if you went and walked around the block with your mouth open, breathing through your mouth, and then went and walked around the block with your mouth shut, just breathing through your nose, you were using two different t- energy systems. You are using two different forms of energy. You were actually more dipped into more of this glycolytic state with the mouth open, even though the work demand wouldn't have actually been there. So you're in this aerobic glycolysis place, which people are like, Oh yeah, but it feels easy. And, and I could do that for quite some time. Yeah. And then you're like craving sugar and shit later because you've burnt through all of that glycogen. Like you, you really, you're eating up a lot of that stuff. Is important for high, high stress situations. And once you go into these high stress situations, the fastest thing, the the thing you want to do is be able to clearly see everything that's going on around you. Right. It's not just that super one focus point. Right. And that's what tunnel vision is what occurs. And we lose sight of, you can't process as much now. You can process some, but how, how, how efficient do you want to be? How optimized do you want to be? Right? Our biological experience does, does not necessitate optimization. That is a self-induced thing. We are, the only, we are really the only species that can actually induce stress for purposeful adaptive, adaptive processes. And if we don't learn how to regulate ourselves in higher stress situations, because our days are so high stress, we literally instantaneously go into this lid flip situation that then has us disregard or not understanding what we just went through, which then is a setup later on for having to deal with stuff that, you know, we end up calling trauma, which, yeah, it it has become trauma because now you're protecting or avoiding dealing with it.
0: So another tactical kind of application, a lot of us get, um, banged out to a call, toned out to a call. It sounds horrific. Well, everything goes up. You go in a sympathetic state and then you're canceled. As it
1: should. Yes, mm-hmm.
0: exactly. You're ready. You're ready for that point. You're, you're hopefully even in a, you know, potentially a flow state. And then, nah, sorry, we were wrong. It wasn't a dude shooting up a school. It was just firecrackers or whatever. Okay. Go back to service. And you have that heightened state. Um, when when you get that sort of situation, talk to me about the benefits of deliberately doing some nasal breathing to deregulate the nervous system and process the the, you know, evolutionary bear attack back down to to calm again.
1: Yeah, I, I you know, the faster that you can get yourself to slower controlled, even just regular nasal breathing, like not having to huff and puff to bringing it down to just just calm breathing, that is the, that that changes everything. But it's also giving you the opportunity to understand what just happened. This is my job. This is what I signed up for. I'm supposed to react to that bell, that noise. I'm supposed to Go into a high arousal situation, but I'm also supposed to be able to come down off of that. I I got to look at some of the research I got involved with um, at Stanford with uh, Dr. Huberman um, a little bit, and it was interesting because we were looking. He was looking at um, a lot of high anxiety people in, in this virtual reality lab. You know, and and this is not the crux of the study. This was just me being able to see some of the data, right, and understand some of it. And they were looking at high anxiety folks, people who actually are on medication for anxiety and stuff. And then they, like, we had he had a few friends like go through the VR lab, and some of these guys are Navy SEALs. Some of I was one of them. Like, I got to go through the whole thing because I was involved in the whole situation uh, because I was administering some uh, breathing protocols with it what's interesting is, is that the people who don't know how to regulate themselves well, you're talking about your your more high anxiety people or people who don't manage stress well. When the bell goes off, right, like you just said, everybody has a reaction to that. There isn't a single human being that doesn't get a reaction to that. Okay. It's how fast they come down off of that. That's how. That's who we. How we know who's done the training and who's done, who has not, or who's actually involved in high stress situations and knows how to manage those situations well. Breathing's just one of the fastest ways to do that. You could do it with vision, but vision's really hard and nuanced in order to play with that, and, and it's actually faster because the eyes are a part of the brain. But breathing is actually that way to just. And, and for, you know, people who struggle with nasal breathing at first, you know, we use something called a five, seven, nine, where we'll give people like five mouth breaths, where it's just like, <sighs> then we go seven nose mouth. Now, this is after a high-stress response, right? Then it's nine or just nasal breathing after that, and it becomes... But the idea is to just get back to simply breathing through your nose and not even being able to notice it.
0: So you're stepping it down rather than going from 100 to zero. It's a to step zero. down. Yeah, it's a step down.
1: But look, if it's a bell... Like boom, heightens. Okay, boom. I'm on. If I can drop into understanding and bringing my breathing to get my control down and being able to listen, I mean that's what I'm doing when I shut. When I shut up, when I uh, here is I, I instantly I'll just drop in. I just shut my mouth and I I, I I'm t- I'll instinctively, well not instinctively, I'll trained uh, in a trained manner draw a deep nasal breath in and let it fall out. Right. But I'm intentionally listening to what you're saying. I used to never be able to, like I had, I struggled with stuff like this before. Right. Like I, cause I just didn't have any tools. Like what tools do you have? What are your tools? Uh, you know, and some people are just really good naturally at stuff like this to just shut their mouth and intentionally listen to somebody. Right. Well, I, I was, just, I, I've always been a, more, more, more on, 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 on guy. And you know, it, really, that's really changed a lot to where I'm like, Oh yeah, I consciously I'm more way more aware of so much that's going on around me, especially when I go into firearms courses and, you know, situations where, you know, we've got mannequins that are bleeding out, and they're calling out new injuries all the time. And there's fire that's happening, and we're having to cover somebody and, you know, you're in very tactical situations. And you're being tested to get through that. And it's like, oh, just control your response. Control what you can. Boom, boom. What's my breathing doing? As I'm going through this situation, oh, they've got a back wound now. Like they're bleeding out through the back. What do I do? And I'm being fired on. Like, oh, shit. Like, what do I do? Well, if you're freaking out, you're not doing anything. So how do you calm that situation down You know, divert back to the most simple things you can. One of those is breathing, deep breath, take a deep breath, slow it down. All right. Now what do I do? He's bleeding out. I got fire. Okay. Make sure I'm behind something. I'm covered. Is my partner covering me? Right. I don't have a partner. If I've got fire coming at me, well, guess what? I've got to take care of of that person. I've got to take care of the fire so I don't get hit. Then I can attend to to, to the wounded. Right. Then it's like, okay, now that I'm covered, what wound? What do I cover it with? How do I stuff it? What do I put it? With? You know, where's the gauze? How do I fill this up? Where do I cut, where I cut off? Where do I restrict this limb if I can, right? How do I stop the bleeding? All right, let's get this person to safety while I'm covered. Then get back in and see if I can help cover something, right? So it's all of these situations that are playing out, but what are the things that I can control? What are the variables that I can control in these situations? And breathing just so happens to be that fundamental thing that we can control. But unfortunately, the problem is, is, it's like, yeah, we can do that in a high stress situation and say it. But the fact is, is if if, if from a, even like from a physical standpoint, if I'm unhealthy, this is going to be a motherfucker, excuse my language, to deal with because of not having the health parameters around this to actually manage that because you're going to be so physically unfit to deal with that. And here's, here's the weird thing about that that people don't get even an elite level athlete can be CO2 intolerant and will struggle their ass off to control their breathing because they're just not used to it. And they, they, they're so used to going through brick walls and using energy in a different way which you can get away with with for years you know and that's why you'll see a lot of elite level athletes that are high anxiety people and have asthma oh 20 percent of elite level athletes report asthmatic conditions that's co2 intolerance right there
0: yeah it's interesting as well because my son's always had nasal congestion even though he isn't um, technically asthmatic, you know, textbook wise, he does get spasms, they seem to be slightly more upper airway, but he, he struggled with it a lot. And, and he he has, I don't know if it's allergies or what, but he has these issues where he's blocked up, you can hear he's blocked up. So therefore, he's a, a you know, a mouth breather. And therefore, there's no question, when I watch it, that's, that's a kind of trigger for some of this wheezing. Now, CBD actually has been one thing that we've used that's helped a lot. Um With that, what, what, how, how do we help people that do seem to have congestion, whatever it looks like, allergies, whatever, um, to, to be able to breathe through their nose? Because that's something I've struggled with as a father.
1: Yeah, I, it's really starting slow or creating a game with it, you know, and being okay with, okay, hey, we're going to go nasal as long as we can here. But we want to, you know, you've got to back down so it, for, for a lot of people. And this is the problem with elite athletes is they just don't want to let go of the ego and slow down because they could perform at such a higher level mouth breathing. Yeah, you you can do that, but that comes with consequences too. And although you may not see those consequences right now, there will be consequences. Like your system will make adaptations to this. Whether it's restriction of, of capillaries, whether it's restriction of blood vessels and, and oxygenation of your organs, including the brain, those adaptations come, right? And so from a, for, from a from a standpoint of allergies, it just becomes, or even just being stuffed up, it's just slowing down enough to do it. Walk. Go for a walk. Go for a 10-minute walk. Shut your mouth, right? And even... Do things to where you're doing a little bit of breath holding and keeping your mouth shut. You don't have to work a whole lot to do that, but over time that could in- that will increase. It just takes time to do that.
0: Now, when I think I don't know if it was before or after we spoke the last time, I started implementing nasal breathing myself, and it was in the CrossFit space. Um, and you know, obviously, the intensity of some of those workouts are very high. And it was super uncomfortable. And at first it was mm-hmm. kind of almost like that drowning response, you know, that, that um I can't breathe. Um yeah. mammalian reflex. But again, I I stuck with it, you know, just acknowledged that yeah, it's uncomfortable, and if you have to open your mouth, but I was amazed at how I was able to pace and how even though again, as you were saying, it seemed ego-wise like I was going slower. Over the duration of the workout, I actually outperformed a lot of people. Not that I care what other people do, it's it's me against me, but seeing, you know, seeing my comparative fellow athletes and how they did. So um talk to me, because I heard you on one of the other podcasts, there there obviously is a perceived myth that you know, nasal breathing is is gonna give less performance than mouth breathing. So talk to me about the science and what you found as far as performance once you're able to trust nasal breathing.
1: Yeah. It's not even trust. It's just adapt. It really is. And it takes time and people don't understand. Like we, we, we think adaptation is like just this, like, you know, short period thing where I'm getting stronger it ta- it, 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 and it can be for some of us, but the thing is, is it, it does take time. Um, and, but the, the consequences of that, the adaptations that come with that, is a much more aerobically efficient human being. Um, and, and it, it's a, uh, it's tough because people don't, they're more concerned with points or time or distance than they are with actually understanding what's going on with inside themselves. And, Breathing and CO2 are that mechanism to kind of really drive that home. Like, hey, here's what's going on with your energy. If I can't nasal breathe right now, if I can't control my breathing, I'm out of control. Like, you're metabolically losing it. Great. So you're going to stress your – like, this is just like, you know, it's, it's a lot like Wim Hof method. There's nothing wrong with the Wim Hof method. But if the Wim Hof method is the only thing you're doing – you're you've not grasped a lot of the aspects of what breath control actually can do for you. You're just getting one little sliver of something that is like this big, like it's, it's, it's really much larger than that. Right. And so most people are so concerned with what they immediately feel and want outside, they're outsourcing the stuff that they don't, aren't insourcing it. Right. And the insourcing of it is where the importance lies in understanding what's going on physiologically, because a lot of people don't realize that they're not actually as healthy as they think they are. And this is one of those things that's really telling us, that's really been able to tell us what's going on with health. And so the, it, it varies wildly with how fast people can actually make adaptations, but the adaptations can come fairly quickly. If one actually can do take the time to slow down and get this process done, unfortunately there, you know, so there was one set, there's one re, set of research that came out. I think it was, uh, in Colorado where they did a, they did a study with nasal breathing versus mouth breathing and, So it was oral versus nasal, and they didn't find any differences, right? There was no differences. But the thing was, is in that research paper, nobody was given the time to actually make any adaptations. It was just like, hey, fresh off the boat, you're gonna start nasal breathing. You just came in, half the participants are gonna nasal breathe, they've never done any nasal breathing, half the participants will mouth breathe. Then another study just got released where they gave these people the time to adapt and across the boards, it was, they made increases. The nasal breathers were making increases. It was far more beneficial to be nasal breathing than mouth breathing. Now, when you're talking about something like with CrossFit, there are times and places that mouth breathing is absolutely necessary. With weightlifting, there is there are times it is absolutely necessary. But if the, if, if all of your training involves mouth breathing, I can guarantee you, you are not as metabolically efficient as you think. And what we understand about metabolic efficiency is this is the crux of health. And CO2 is that molecule that this is that energy thing that is telling us how efficient we are.
0: See, it's interesting because even in jujitsu today, I got my ass handed to me by one guy. But and I'm you know 47. um, You know, I have I think a solid aerobic base, but I'm not by any means an aerobic athlete. Um, And the one thing that's consistent is a lot of the gym is a lot younger than me. Is I mean, there's a guy I was rolling with second round. I mean, he couldn't even carry on the round, you know. And it's again no disrespect to him, but I think that's it. I think implicitly, I have adopted this and whatever's happening, even if I'm getting, you know, my ass handed to me, there's still that kind of pacing. So when people are falling out, probably with their mouths wide open, as you said, in a tactical space, you know, you may fight, you may get your ass kicked, but at some point the other person's going to get tired. So that efficiency, even if you're taking damage is so important.
1: Oh, so many of the fighters I work with are just like, and grapplers, like guys who roll are just like, dude, it's a game changer. Like I, the moment I hear somebody huffing and puffing, whether I'm on the gr- whether I'm on the ground, I'm on the bottom, if I'm on the bottom, I know I can make a move to get to, to change position. If I'm on top, I know it's time to submit them like you know it's just it's such a game-changing situation and, th- and that's it. Just have some patience inside of a situation when it gets hectic and control your breathing. And your opportunity is going to come if you can stay in control. And that's the beauty of it.
0: Now, where where did we, or how do we get to this point where I'm sure, you know, earlier man slash woman probably was a lot more efficient with our, our breathing and I'm sure, <laughs> you know, posture and everything. Because I, I love reverse engineering it. And then I also want to see how it plays into... Some of the, the healthier people were seeing suffering at the moment with COVID and things, but reverse engineering initially, how do we get to this point from probably a lot more efficient, you know, uh, what's the right word? You know, just, just regular pharma, whatever it is to, mm-hmm. to what we're seeing now where, as you said, we've got athletes and tactical athletes that may be in good shape, but are, are using all the wrong systems.
1: I'd say the crisis. Well, look, the domestication of man has been our biggest problem. Um, that bar none, um, I could not teach an indigenous human being how to properly breathe. You're just not going to do it. And, and it's well-documented like they all sleep with their mouths shut. They hunt with their mouths shut. They, they they stand more erect. Their posture's in alignment. Like you can go back through history you can look at all of this stuff. It's all there. And it wasn't until civilized culture, the domestication of culture came and started saying, hey, look, you should be eating this. Hey, look, you should be doing this. Hey, look, we're gonna do this for you. Hey, we're gonna make this more convenient for you. I'm not suggesting that we need to go back to being wild, but there's a lot about our lives that that should have us becoming wild. We should be working on being wild. And that means sleeping outside sometimes, that means going and hiking and doing things and, you know, uh, eating foraging for food or going and looking for food. Um, You know, it's interesting. There's, there's this great book I'm reading right now and uh, it's called nourishment by Fred Provenza. And he, it's about herbivores, um, carnivores, human beings, and basically how this whole paradigm of nutrition, not only for animals, but man, has really screwed us up and it's important because animals herbivores because carnivores only eat meat right like they rarely eat vegetation they'll eat it from time to time but herbivores left untouched left to graze on their own in in their own environments Know exactly what plants to eat, even toxic ones, and how much they can eat of them. There's they have a dualistic system. We have a dualistic system that's that's, that works just like this too, but we're so far astray from this that we think a nutritionist can actually tell us exactly what to eat and when to eat, and that that's going to be the most efficient path pattern to do it. When in fact, it's actually our own cravings and understandings with that and our, our taste system that works to tell us what's good and what's not. In fact, one of the instances that he uses in this is like scurvy and the, you know, the Nobel prize winner for finding absorbic acid and it being vitamin C as a digester of carbohydrate, fat and proteins. Right. But it's also vitamin C, Right. So a human being typically can go three to six months without vitamin C, any vitamin C, before scurvy starts to actually develop, right? And I'm not suggesting anybody go do this. But the interesting thing here is that citrus fruits for somebody who's actually getting the first stages of scurvy or vitamin C deficiency is the most prized thing and tasty thing that a human being can eat at the time. Do you think that's weird? That something high in vitamin C is like the most nourishing thing somebody can eat. We're designed to actually know what to eat and when to eat it. And yet we're just like popping supplements and doing all this stuff. And I'm not suggestive that you shouldn't take your supplements if you need to or whatever, but it's like, look, look, I can't fix somebody who doesn't need, who who literally is wild. I can't fix anything that's wild. Right? Like, it's just not going to happen. And I'm, I'm working towards being more wild, like legitimately. That's what I'm working towards. And it's because like, I mean, there's a book written called shut your mouth and save your life by a guy by the name of George Catlin. He he's one of, The most cited historians of the 1800s because he was literally observing civilized and indigenous cultures and what was going on in North and South America. And the biggest thing that he saw that was the biggest difference was the fact that uncivilized people, the indigenous cultures ate with their mouths like they, when they ate, they closed their mouths they breathed through their noses when they were hunting when they were gathering and when they slept at night they were in fear of the black mouth they this their skulls were different until we started introducing all this stuff like the far, farming culture agriculture was probably one of our biggest mistakes in the way that we're doing it regenerative that's why regenerative farming is taking such a like this huge leap i was just at this farm out in colorado that where like literally the plants that were growing, like they planted things to eat amidst all the wild flowers and grasses that were going on out there. They weren't not killing the land. They were actually implementing into the land. And the, it was just flourishing. Like he's like, dude, we can't keep up with this stuff. Like it's just so dense and we've just we've tried to subsidize we've tried to monetize like we've tried to develop a quantitative system over a qualitative system and no shit oh so we're obese yeah quantity over quality
0: that's what you get well and that's that's what a lot of this is about this isn't like hey, there's all this breakthrough science and it's all new, it's never been said before. It's really, you know, our generation just unlearning a lot of what we were taught because, yeah. you know, I talk about this, you know, our great-grandparents and beyond, like, it's 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 pretty uh, um, arrogant to assume that our short lifespan, we know more than the thousands and thousands and thousands of years of, of wisdom before us. So if we reverse engineer a lot of these very basic things, whether it's movement, whether it's nutrition, whether it's you know mindfulness and breath work, that doesn't leave a huge amount else to really be super progressive on. But most people—that's a profound statement.
1: There is there there actually is no wisdom today. There is no there is no wisdom today. It's impossible to have wisdom with the amount of information coming out and the ability to just go look that up and not have to retain that information. Yeah absolutely we've 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 forgotten what it's like to be wise which which means you need to go understand something and in order to understand something you have to go through it nobody wants to go through anything anymore everybody just wants to get help and be comfortable and we're seeing that right now people are willing willingly want to give up their rights Yeah, for what they understand as freedom in order to feel safe.
0: Yep, exactly. Well, the perception of safety. It's not true safety. Yeah, correct.
1: Perception of safety. And I mean, to be very clear, it's like I am actually vaccinated. I actually had COVID. I've been vaccinated, but I would never in my life ever require anybody to do that
0: we're in the same exact place i got vaccinated my little boy just came home it's funny it was raining out there and he called me to pick him up and i'm we're doing this so he just walked through soaking wet (laughs) but um (laughs) but no i mean that's that's the same stand there were reasons that that we did um you know i want to ask you about covid in a second but yeah there's a what i'm trying to do right now while we're on the subject we'll talk about this what through my lens what i'm seeing is there is a group of people that no matter what you say to them are not going to get vaccinated and that is their choice and you know mm-hmm. ex- exercise your, your power to totally. do it. but there I think there is a lot of people that are not choosing it because they don't trust the information and all this conflicting information is coming out for me as a person in the wellness space the fact there's been zero discussion on nutrition movement any of these other elements of overall wellness has negated any talk of oh we care about lives because bullshit no you don't you had a year and a half to to fix you know to to move the needle on the obesity epidemic the addiction epidemic all these things and you chose to totally ignore those so you know we're getting all these contradictions um that i think is scaring people away from it and then you bring this mandatory element into you know my profession and and medical and some of these other areas people that probably were considering it well now we'll no, I'm not going to fucking take it now because you just told me that, you know, you're you're demanding that I, I put this in my body. So I'm vaccinated as well. And I stand squarely in the middle. I chose to, but I was very lucky to, to listen to some really, really... Excellent doctors that work in ERs and work with first responders all over this country, even in the UK and get their perspective. And to, and it, to me, that common sense approach appeased my fears and, and made me realize it was okay. But most people aren't getting that information. So they're getting politicized. Mm. Oh, are you, are mm-hmm. you for mask? or you anti mask? Are you, you know, China's conspir- conspiracy or you're, if you leave your house, you're, you're a murderer, you know, instead of this middle ground. Of you know, like you said, taking care of your own health and your family self, which we chose to do.
1: Yeah. I had uh you know, I when I got COVID I had symptoms for like ten hours. And I had a slight cough for like a couple days. Never lost sense, smell, or taste. Um and uh of the people I I know that got vaccinated, they were ruined. For far longer than I was when I got COVID, you know, um, I don't know what to make of that. (laughs) Um, I do know that I've taught that I, that I, that I, I, you know, I'm not anti vaccine. I'm anti telling anybody what they need to do. And I mean, if you look at things based on what I understand under under title three under the civil rights act, like this bans discrimination, of a medical condition, including vaccination. Like, so The there's also ADA violations under, you know, certain things within the ADA that you can't do, but those are there for a reason. We created those for a reason. And all of a sudden, when things like that go right out the door, no, nope, that's done. No, w- w- that doesn't apply anymore. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. I got to, qu- w- w- hold on, hold on. I just have questions. Oh, I can't ask a question. Okay, now I'm real fucking skeptical. Absolutely. Right? And what's interesting is, is I, uh, I saw a study done on education. And the most skeptical, the, the people who are least vaccinated from an educated standpoint, and this, this should make sense, are the least educated and PhDs. PhDs more so than the least educated, but it's like this U shape. So it goes least educated, like bachelor's degree, master's degree. And then it goes PhD up here. So people who actually had to go and, and, and do work their own work, not regurgitate or answer questions or get in line or, you know, just do the work that was necessary already outlined for them. People who actually did work and people who are skeptical of the system and people who they don't trust are skeptical, have questions. Like the fact that people have questions is, and should always be at the forefront of anything vaccine or not. And if we can't talk about ivermectin because somebody said, like, like for, for some reason, uh, like, I want to know why, because I've seen plenty of research on ivermectin. and In fact, even what happened in India and how everything all of a sudden in the Delta virus is eliminated when ivermectin got introduced. Like, and I'm sure there's some other stuff to that, but, you know, like, why aren't we able to ask those questions and why isn't that out there? Why are we talking? About, oh, I know why. Okay, because the pharmaceutical industry was deployed to go launch these, re, these fast research initiatives on a vaccine to launch into the public because the public was afraid of this thing going on that wasn't really that you know, detrimental. But now we're indebted to the pharmaceutical industry for basically putting millions upon millions, if not billions of dollars into this. In order to do to get these vaccines out fast, that, that, that basically makes them exempt from any uh, negative effects that happen. But we're going to push this because of that. And we're not going to answer any other questions. Everybody just needs to get vaccinated. And then, then we start to flip flop on how the vaccine works. And oh, we, we will be fine if we get vaccinated. No, you're, it turns out you can still get this variant and that variant. Well, yeah, yeah, that's what happens with any vaccine that doesn't kill a virus like polio or smallpox vaccines, which kill the virus, which is, this is just like the flu, right? Like that's why people every year get the flu shot. Oh, so we're now needing to all get a, a shot every year. I have, nah, nah
0: yeah. I, I have the same things like, yeah, you, 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 we told you that to get the vaccine and then you're part of the solution oh, by the way, no, the vaccine doesn't work. You can still get it. You can still carry it, put the mask back on. And you wonder why people are, are skeptical because you just, you know, you're changing every time. Because I think what people don't realize is most people did everything that was asked of them. They stayed home when they were asked to. They wore the masks. They stayed, you know, the online school, they whatever did. it was for a year and a half.
1: We, we all did. We did. Yeah. We did. And you know what? We're not better. We got, we've got, we've got a mental health epidemic that is actually compounding, which is compounding on top of a, a metabolic problem, absolutely, an obesity epidemic that's hemorrhaging our healthcare system Oh, and COVID. That's where we're, we're having a problem, right? Like, let's protect the elderly, man. Like, let's protect the elderly. Let's let's really go in and do that. Like these are the people who really need our help with this sh- this fucking thing, right? If you have a metabolic disorder, you need to go spend the money, get vaccinated, and actually get healthy. The public is not responsible for your problem, right? Like yep. this is a you problem.
0: Sorry. Yeah. I mean, there's there's ownership, and there's uh, so I talk about this a lot. Ownership is one side of the coin. The environment to create a better health is the other side. And you know what really irked me, and I'm sure yeah, I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir, was when we saw gyms closed and fast food joints still open. You know, I mean, I get the logistics. Oh, you can sit in your car and get your burger. It doesn't matter. They should have you know bent over backwards to keep the gyms open, especially the fucking like play sets and stuff that are outside the parks that are all taped off. And, you know, the, the children can't even play on swings. And I mean, come on. The, these are the very things that we need. You know, there was a time where the beaches were closed because we all know that COVID can swim upstream against the ocean breeze. So that makes perfect sense. Yes. So, right. <laughs> so you know, yeah. but yeah, but so this the environment as well. And we had a year and a half to really make some changes. I talk about this. The kids are all going back to school. The fucking Coke machines are still there the fast food still being served at the cafeteria. We could have had an incredible initiative to empower local farmers, create, you know, real food, cooked food behind by, you know, give the poor people that work in those kitchens something to do other than microwave process shit. And actually, you know, maybe give more time for PE. And, you know, we could have really, really pushed the needle. And instead, as you said, it was, you know, stay at home, then vaccinate, and then now now we got you vaccinated, go back and stay at home again. And I, and I do, there's the, the difference between the true desire to make this country better and healthier. That message is, isn't, isn't being delivered. It's, it's being political and people are just sick and tired of it.
1: Yeah. Well, this is the, like, this is the divide device divided world that we want to live in that, that that's been created. Like, I I, I just have questions and I'm not, and I do believe in that constitution. And, you know, as Dave Chappelle said, first, the first amendment's there for reasons. So is the second one. It's just in case that first one falls. And it looks like that's starting to go. And you're going to see like, it's really weird, man, because i work with a lot of people as we've already discussed in the first responder community. I work with a lot of dudes and women who really know how to use weapons, who've been using weapons and who have been doing violent things their entire lives. We don't know violence. These riots and all that stuff, that's not violence. It's really not.
0: No, I heard Tim Kennedy there saying are, the there same are people,
1: thing. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, he's, per- he's a perfect example. What has Tim been doing his entire life, right? Like, what have what a lot of the guys I've, I, I go, I've worked with been doing their entire lives? Like, this is what they do. And a lot of them are retired. There's a lot of retired vets who really know violence. And I'm telling you, these are very calculated people who know how to handle very stressful situations, We've seen people who've actually entered into the riots to defuse people who have weapons. Like there's remember that guy in Seattle who was like running crazy. Like he, 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 uh, he was a vet and he literally was like disarming people and like helping people like throughout Seattle. He was a vet. Like, I mean, dude, there are so many people, like people don't realize there are like, it, there's going to be a real, real problem. If if that first amendment goes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, just staying on the COVID thing for one second, because this again is, is yeah. fascinating to me. We have some of these very fit people, as you said, that the way that they train, the way that they've breathed for for probably, you know, decades has created maybe got them to a certain level of performance, but actually created, you know, some underlying ill health. What is I, I'm hearing from some of my, my um ER friends, you know, of of starting to see seemingly healthy people succumbing to COVID. Again, not being vaccinated seems to be a common theme, which is another thing that I intend to get out in our our discussion, his perspective of. But, you know, I, to me, again, questions. So why? What is it about those healthy people that put them on, on a vent, whereas Brian feels like he had a cold for 10 hours and then is good again? So with your um, breathing lens. What do you think is the, is the hypothesis that again, maybe posture breathing is contributing to not having a good response to this particular virus or any other kind of, you know, lung related virus Uh, that we have.
1: I'd say it's, it's far deeper than I can understand. The only, you know, the, the, the only thing I can comment about myself and the people I know who've had it and who actually recovered quickly from it, um, you know, having a decent, your nervous system is just as important as your respiratory system. And this thing gets into your nervous system um, as, as it gets into all the cells, right? Um, the ability, so we know that chronic inflammation is, is a very serious problem especially so from from a physiological standpoint based on everything we've talked about when we are over breathers even if we're an elite level athlete seemingly healthy you're still dealing with free radicals and inflammation at a level that you don't need to does that mean you're obese and sick not based on the standards that we have no but that doesn't mean that you're as healthy as you could be. And so poor CO2 tolerance is a very quick indicator from what we've seen with people who don't respond real well to COVID is, does that mean it's that's the whole kit and caboodle? No, not at all. Um, It's just one of the things that we've, that we've been able to see. Um, And that also becomes something to where it's like you know once you've been infected it's like well now what's the road look like to get back i mean i've been massaging my brother who he didn't have the greatest co2 tolerance but he was pretty fit and healthy and he got his ass kicked by it um and he doesn't want to get vaccinated right um but his wife who is a charger and has a fairly high co2 toler- a higher co2 tolerance rebounded fast so his way back in i've been like look dude stop fucking trying to work out go for a walk and shut your mouth all right now that you can walk work out don't put any weight on the bar and breathe through your nose and keep it to not huffing and puffing through your nose like (laughs) but you know, like a gear one type thing and slowly let yourself build. Go ahead and squat, but don't take it to where you're squatting and you need to open your mouth. Like keep it to where you're actually getting use of that diaphragm so those lungs are filling up and you're actually getting more use out of them and you're actually getting more oxygen into the system and you're actually limiting how much CO2 can come out of you. And you're finding out exactly what your limitations are right now. And he's like in two weeks because he decided to start listening, he's made huge changes to this, but it's like, just slow down. Like take your time, let your breathing dictate where you get to go. What's your rush? What are you trying to win? Right? You don't win any points. You don't win any medals. If you push it too hard and you and you destroy yourself. I had a buddy of mine that got it the same time I did, and he literally started fucking working out right away. Like, and I was like, "No way, man! I'm just even though I was affected for like ten hours, I was weak for about two and a half, three days, and I, I was on quarantine for ten. I literally did basically nothing but breath work in that ten days. Then." Just slowly ramped in, got on the bike, went for walks, did a little bit of lifting that wasn't too heavy, more volume, less weight, like just slowly crept it back in and was perfectly fine. Did it take some time? Yeah, it took some time. What the fuck? Like, excuse me, but it's like, (laughs) what, 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 like, who cares? Like, I'm fit as a fiddle now. I'm perfectly fine right and 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 then i got vaccinated and nothing happened i did however get the you know johnson and johnson so it was a single shot but i no, nothing and i know a lot of people that either got that one or the double right and were wrecked i'm like yeah that sounds like that sounds like covid to me like you got covid is what you got that's what they gave you
0: was the actual covid yeah it was bizarre I, I did pfizer and both times i think it was like a, a double you know mma session so striking and jujitsu and was fine and it wasn't you know like oh i'm gonna do it despite no i just didn't feel any issue at all which you know was is again encouraging you know and my my little boy had it my wife had it um let say little boys about to be 14 but um yeah so well just very quickly before we transition to some some closing questions, one more area yeah. that, that um, you know, I think is important to to underline, the first responder community is obviously are chronically, chronically sleep deprived. And actually Dr. Hubman's supposed to be coming on as well. I really want to kind of delve in the sleep world with him a little bit. Um but we're seeing a lot of CPAPs emerge as well. What are you seeing with that whole CPAP foot push and again, talk to me about the use of breath work to avoid turning a bunk oh, room into man. a Star Wars set.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, fuck, dude. Breath work, breath work, breath work. You know who you're not going to see ha- who ha- has a CPAP machine? A free diver. Why? Because they're Doing breath work and breath hold work and developing a very high CO2 tolerance. And they actually are keeping their respiration rate low enough and they're not going from high respiration rates to low. Re- this is so the sleep apnea thing is really a kind of a overbreathe by day, underbreathe by night. And the underbreathe is that we get caught in these really poor positions and snore. <sighs> and and stop breathing for periods of time, I've dealt with this high, high stress went through a lot of stress not too long ago, right? Like, and it just, all of a sudden I'm like holding my breath at night and I would catch myself. It's, it's not managing stress. So I got right back into a lot of the breath control stuff where I'd spend 10 or 20 minutes doing breath work or like breath hold work. And it's simple. Like go do four or five breaths through your nose and then hold your breath on an inhale as long as you can. Like to a strong urge to breathe and then repeat that and do that for 10 minutes. Like this helps build CO2 tolerance. Obviously, (laughs) we've got programs that we offer on shift, you know, on shiftadapt.com that literally help with all of this stuff um, and help with the training. Uh, But it's really a no brainer to like, Okay, so what community of people don't go on CPAP or deal with sleep apnea? Free divers? Free diving community? By and large? Well, how would you know that? Because I've actually looked into it. Why? (laughs) Like, nobody's looking at these folks and what they're doing. And they're some of the calmest people in the shittiest situations that have ever existed. Go dive down 300 feet into a black abyss and wonder if you're going to actually make it to the top when you turn around. Right? Like, dude, that's, that is, it takes a lot to go deal with that. Now, I'm not suggesting you need to go dive. But if you actually go and learn to hold your breath for a real long time, you're going to actually get the same benefits. And these things can help change that. Um, I also think that there's a lot of undealt with. I mean, the, 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 the larger picture, and this is what we really are doing at this point, is really showing people how to get physiologically connected. And, and largely, this is due to psychological disconnection, right? Like we, we we've not understood what trauma is and avoidance and protective behavior. And anybody can really look at protective behaviors or just I mean, just go Google protective and avoidant behaviors and see if you identify with any of them. Okay, you'll identify with one or all, I can guarantee it. No, I'm sure that that means there is some physiological disconnection because you're avoiding dealing with what your physiology is actually communicating to you, your, your gut feelings. We're, we, we all deal with this because we're living in a civilized culture where everything's ba- basically done for us. And so we no longer have to listen to our body's intuitive responses to things. Right? Like I'm hungry as hell right now. Right? Like, so I'm going to eat after this. <laughs> like I'm listening to my body. But the, the idea is, is like, well, what am I hungry for? Ah, there's something like, what do I feel like eating? I don't know. Oh, you don't know, Brian. What Well, what you know, like, why not? Like, what do you have a craving for? Start listening to those cravings. Those cravings are telling me something on what I want, on what my body needs. Right. And And all too often we dive into like these diets or ways of training. It's all the same, man. Like I go like, what am I going to go do in the gym today? What do, well, what do I feel like? What do I feel like doing? What do I feel like? Man, I feel like lifting weights, like a lot of weight. All right, cool. Like I'm going to go lift some weights. Or do I feel like doing some cardio stuff or some CrossFit stuff? You know, like all of this has plays on itself. And it's like really listening intuitively to what's going on. And so the bigger dive within sleep is really what am I not dealing with during the day that is keeping me up at night? Why am I so stressed at night? I've dealt with this myself. Chronically at points in my life. And then I've actually not dealt with it and been perfectly fine. Right. And it's really like I, I find it very interesting that we're now at a point where we're having to look to sleep experts on how to sleep. When we've never in our past were we really dealing with that at all? And did we really have to? Because you sleep when you're tired.
0: Well, that's the problem. You know? is to me, I'm trying to build a case to educate the responder communities that they need to give their people more rest and recovery time. Like, we're literally killing our first responders. Oh,
1: dude. Shift, shift, shift work was, this, was one of the dumbest fucking ideas that's ever been implemented, especially in the medical world. It's insane. Like, why? What? For what? We know somebody is actually effective working for like three to four hours a day and we're, we're doing something that was designed for industrial work, right? Like it's insane, you know? And it's like, dude, you, how many people, I, there is a list like longer than I can imagine for people wanting to be firefighters in Southern California. Like you can't, you can't get a job in Southern California. And yet these guys are on shifts that are like, why not change that?
0: Yeah, well, exactly. Well, that's the thing like, you give more, more staffing than you give people more time off because we, we have to be awake at night. Someone's got to respond to the emergencies, but correct. why, why are we working our men and women who respond at night, you know, drive lights and sirens through busy intersections, go to a fire, pull out baby, then have to do drug calculations. Why do we say, Oh yeah, 56 hours, a week that's fine for you but the person that bags your groceries at vons no, it's 40 hours that's 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 more than enough i mean the fact that we found ourselves there is absolute insanity
1: it's it's total insanity it's total insanity and this is but, but this comes back to who who's running the show why are we why do we keep putting people up there that are running the show like this like why why do we keep putting leaders that aren't leaders At the top, like give me somebody who wants to make some changes, some real changes. Let's start doing that.
0: Beautiful. Well, that's a good place to kind of wind down. So people, I mean, we've we gone all over the place in this conversation. That's why I love this kind yeah. of podcast. Um, I'm sure people are super curious now on the tools that you do have. So for people listening, where are the best places, where are the best uh, resources online and, and, and places that they can subscribe to so they can start, you know, getting grab and hold again of their own breathing, their own physiology, their own, you know, mindset?
1: Shiftadapt.com is easiest um to get started go to what we do and look at the uh i think it's how to start a breath yeah it is how to start a breath practice that is legitimately how we've found the most effective way to start a breath practice is it's a co2 tolerance test it's a max exhale test and then it correlates to specific rhythms that people can use starting from more basic to advanced based on how well they can score. It's not a test of comparative. It's a literally, it's more of an assessment of where you're at. And so this is where you should start. You can do 10 to 20 minutes of that. You can also join or get on the membership, which is where we do all the training. We do the breathe and move. So we're doing breath work and movement work. We're also doing training where we're using the gear system from nasal all the way up to mouth breathing. There's five different gears that we utilize that are very effective in that. We do webinars that are kind of that are included in one of the membership offers, um, and then we also have courses and stuff on there. My mentorship program as well that exists, which you know goes way deep into this stuff and walks people through that as well. But that's all on shiftadapt.com, and then people can go. Uh, the other place is my Instagram, which is at underscore Brian McKenzie.
0: Beautiful well, Brian, I want to say thank you so much. It's been another great conversation. We went all over the place and and, like I said, I love that all but, over. but I can yeah. attest you know I mean genuinely using the breath work deliberately at first, and it was you know it was. It was a struggle at first and I have a big nose, but it's been broken. So it's probably one of the issues. Um, but but just working through that. And like you said, being patient and incrementally, because what's the worst thing that happens when you first start doing it? You open your mouth for a moment and you go back to your nose again. But just seeing the impact on my performance on, you know, being deliberate in my breathing practices um you know at the fire station you know as as a parent you know all these different things it's been invaluable so i just want to say thank you for taking yet another you know hour and a half and coming on the show again
1: no problem james thanks for having me on brother appreciate it